It's a decades-long debate. Who were the greatest bands of the 70s? Aside from the usual suspects, Led Zeppelin, The Eagles, Van Halen, there were a lot of great bands. In what might be the strangest decade of music, and also the greatest decade of music, a lot of these bands got lost in the shuffle. On today's show, we're going to pull some up, dust them off, and put them out there. Maybe you think they're great, maybe you don't. We'll find out. KOFB Studio presents Milk Crates and Turntables, a music discussion podcast hosted by Scott McLean with his co-host Jack Calabrese. Now, let's talk music. Enjoy the show. All right. Thank you, Amanda, for that introduction. Last week I said interview. <laughs> well, welcome to... Milk Crates and Turntables, a music podcast. I'm streaming live over Facebook Live, YouTube Live, and Twitch right now. But for all the listeners, uh, we are now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a number of other platforms. Just search for Milk Crates and Turntables. So without further ado, let me bring on my co-host, Mr. Jackie Calabrese. Jack Calabrese, what's up, buddy? Good evening, Mr. McLean. How you doing? Thank you for having me again. How's it going? It's always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. Love to mm-hmm. uh, love to, to to share the knowledge <laughs> that we've acquired over a combined. Probably, uh, if you think about it, we have about we have a good ninety years of music knowledge between us. It says we're old, old, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two of so, the contributing cast members of the movie Cocoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, okay. What are you wearing today? Who you got on you? It's the uh, little Joe Strummer shirt. All right. Yeah. Well, we're in the uh, today's topic is greatest '70s bands, best '70s bands. Uh, there's a lot of greatness in there, and uh, let's get right to it. So, usually, how we do this for the listeners. Me and Jack bounce back and forth. I usually have a list. He has a list. So we'll jump right into it. Best bands of the 70s. So the 70s is an interesting decade. As I said in the intro, it is probably one of the the, the, the craziest and most interesting decade of music. It We grew up in a decade, probably the best music ever came out of the 70s. So we have some bleed-ins from the 60s. I think we can deal with that. Are they really 70s bands? We'll discuss that. It depends on what what group you bring up. Well, that you know so, there are definitely bands there are definitely bands that started in the 60s and blossomed in the in the 70s. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, they, you know the other thing about about you know music of the seventies or you know greatest bands of the seventies is you know our age. I mean that's our demographic. You know that's where we 
were first really, really kind of introduced into music and phone music, you know, outside of what our parents maybe have introduced us to. And it's, um, you know, it's definitely a, a, a decade that had, I mean, first off, it, it had a crazy start. I mean, if you think about it, you know, in the first in the first year, you had what Jim Morrison, Janis Joplin, and Jimi Hendrix all died in what the first year, maybe maybe ten months that they that they all passed. Less than a year later, you had the breakup of the Beatles. You know, pretty much the end of the sixties. I mean, right before the decade started. You know, I mean, Altamont took place in December of sixty nine. You know, there's a lot of people that attribute that to the real death of the hippie movement, that Manson thing. Oh, it it killed the hippie movement. Definitely killed the hippie movement. Just like grunge killed hair metal. You know, <laughs> yeah. there's always those death blows. You know, I always I I, I have the joke. Nirvana killed Loverboy. <laughs> you know that that is something that we should absolutely give Nirvana a credit for oh we, we that's a whole nother show that's coming <laughs> that whole thing is coming so let's jump right into it now I, i'm not going to go in any particular order so uh, you know my first isn't necessarily i think the greatest maybe we'll come up at the end of the episode what we think is got to go with the common sensical pick of the rolling stones so although they had six albums from 65 to 69, from 71 to 78, they also put out six albums. And those six albums are legendary albums. So you got Sticky Fingers yep. in 71, Exile yep. on Main Street in 72, Goat's Head yep. Soup in 73, It's Only Rock and Roll in 74, Black and Blue in 76, and... Maybe my favorite Stones album, Some Girls, Some Girls, 78. So that's six top-notch 70s kick-ass albums. Did, did uh, Emotional Rescue just cross over the line? Was that like 80? Yeah, 80, 81, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> I got to go, and, and I'm not a, I'm a purist in a sense, but there's certain groups you just can't leave out. You know, I like the pure groups that, that if we're going to talk the 70s, they were the 70s. They they started in the 70s and matured through the 70s. But so my first pick for best bands of the 70s, I got to give it to the Rolling Stones. That's just my, doesn't mean my top pick. It's my first pick. Uh, yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because that's the first band that I wrote in, and wrote down the, almost the exact same list, although I will admit that I forgot about It's Only Rock and Roll. I was trying to do it off the top of my head. So I, of those, of those albums that they put up, Off the top of our head, there's a lot yeah. of knowledge. <laughs> and so of all of those albums, do you have a favorite? Don't say it. I do. Okay, on, on, on three... Say your favorite Rolling Stones album of the 70s and probably your favorite Rolling Stones album. Ready? One, two, three. Sticky Exile fingers. on Main Street. Well, they were back to back albums. Yeah, I love Sticky Fingers, but I, I think that Exile is a, is a better record. And maybe the fact that it's a double album and, and there's just so much, so much to it. Oh, it's a phenomenal yeah. All those albums are top-notch. So, and they are yeah, probably yeah. 
in the top, if you were going to have a top 50 of the 70s, all six of those albums are in it. <laughs> yeah. So one of my one of my earliest memories, you know, about about music. So, you know, I got a, the love of music from, you know, my dad. My father was a big music fan, you know, quasi hippie and, and all of that. And I remember when he brought home Sticky Fingers, if you remember, you know, the iconic album cover of the crotch shot designed by, yeah. designed by Andy Warhol yeah. and with the zipper and the, you know, the bulge and looking at it as a, you know, five or a six year old going, I, I don't like this. This well, is so weird. Yeah, When you unzip it, there's the guy in his underwear right behind the, the, the cover. That's right. And that, yeah. and, and it was a great concept album cover. Unfortunately, it ruined every fucking copy of I, I, there is not a pure pure copy of Sticky Fingers in existence because when they all got pressed together and sent out to record stores, every one of those did something. They didn't ruin the album, but there's always a little a uh, little scratch, a little dent somewhere. Yeah. So the, you know the other the other thing about sticky fingers, I, I think one of the commonest misconceptions. I'm gonna have to check for this because I might be wrong, but a lot of people, you know, give credit to Andy Warhol for creating the tongue logo, and I don't think he did. Created the I think what? Where they get mixed up uh, that he he created the iconic tongue logo. Oh, and and I don't I don't think he did. I think people got mixed up because he was the one that actually designed that album cover. Right. Right. So, so what, so you, what you know what made those 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 first couple of albums just unbelievable? And we've kind of talked about this before. It was Mick Taylor. That was the best band that that group had ever put together. The best lineup that that band had ever put together. Absolutely. So, what do you got for me? <clears throat> so, I I think that th this might be um, you know somewhat out of left field, but I think that if you think of the legends of, of the seventies, you have to put Stevie Wonder in there. Oh, no doubt. Stevie I've Wonder was, uh, he, he ruled that, you know, this, the, the seventies, you know, uh, Intervision, song in the key of life. I mean, just, just think about it. I mean, from, from a single standpoint, just in the, in the seventies, sunshine of my life, superstition, living for the city. Don't you worry about a thing. Higher ground. Boogie on Reggae Woman, Sir Duke, Isn't She Lovely, I Wish, Master Blaster. I mean, he collected so many Grammys. He was, you know, one of the biggest sellers. Seven Grammys? Yeah. <laughs> he, you know, Stevie Wonder ruled, which, by the way, you know, an interesting thing, that, that even though he had that command in the 70s, when he played, or when, when the Rolling Stones played in 72, Stevie Wonder at the Garden, at the Garden in Boston, Stevie Wonder was the opening act. Oh wow! Yeah. So that's that's the the you know the the famous story and and I don't know if it was seventy two or seventy five, but it was when they got into a little bit of trouble and Mayor White got them a police escort. Yeah. Out of Rhode, I think it was Rhode Island, and they they just kept telling Stevie Wonder, just keep playing, just keep playing, just keep playing, just keep playing. And finally, though, I think they went on stage at like one o'clock in the morning. Living for the City, one of my favorite songs of all time. One of the most probably underrated songs of the 70s because you never really hear it played because of its content. 
Living for the City was that moment, that Marvin Gaye moment for Stevie Wonder. Yeah. When Marvin Gaye came out with What's Going On, Stevie Wonder did Living for the City, and they all had the same message. You know, yeah. shit ain't right. The, the, uh, the other thing that Stevie Wonder did that people may or may not realize was he actually broke open another artist that was absolutely huge in the 70s, which was Bob Marley. No. Yeah. Okay. Stevie Wonder, I can't complain. Uh, this is a, another show, again, that will discuss this. But I say Stevie Wonder is the most talented, most talented individual in the history of music. And I've gotten hammered for that. People are always like, no, and they'll say they'll come up with like the lead singer, Paul Rogers. No, you're missing what I'm saying. Stevie Wonder was extremely talented. And he did it blind. We all know that. I'm not, you know, there's no big surprise there. But the stuff that he did since he was a kid. So if if, if I'm gonna say the greatest talent in the history of music, I'd say Stevie Wonder, and then is one and Prince is one A. Well, Stevie Wonder can play bass. He can play guitar. He obviously can play keyboards. He obviously he can play the harmonica. The, the harmonica. He writes. He produces. <laughs> you know, he can he can do it all. And by, and by the way, just can I go on just a slight tangent for a second? So, you know, when I I had a job that that took me literally around the, the the world a couple of times, and my first time in Australia, I was staying at the Intercontinental Hotel in Sydney, and at my hotel, all at the same time was Jerry Lewis, Slipknot, <laughs> Pink, Kenny Rogers, and Stevie Wonder. And I got a, I was going to uh, a business meeting, and I was riding in the elevator, and I was literally on an elevator with Stevie Wonder in his entourage. And I was just looking at him. I was awestruck. And when we got off in the lobby, I grabbed one of his guys by the arm, and I was like, hey, now, I don't want to be an asshole, but does does he sign autographs? And he goes, yeah, he can sign autographs. And I was just like, well, you know, I, I didn't want to put out a piece of paper and have him sign my elbow. <laughs> I was going to say. They, they, shuffled, they shuffled them out of there so quick I couldn't get it. But I was I stood a foot and a half from Stevie Wonder. What, what would have been funny is if you got on the elevator and he's the one that pressed the button. Or if he turned around and said, Jack! Yeah, how the fuck did Slipknot fit into that group? Anyways, anyways. So I'm going to come up with uh, my second choice for best bands of the 70s. Has to be the Eagles, right? They got to be in there. Sure. So they came out, and and I did a little more research. There's a lot of... There's a lot of little bits of information that you kind of forget. So you look at their, you look at uh, the, the 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 albums that they put out. Uh, the Eagles, self-titled in '72, Desperado '73, On the Border '74, One of These Nights '75, Hotel California '76, and The Long Run in '79. So you kind of forget about Desperado and On the Border, but then you look at them and you look at the track list. Every one of those albums had two or three great songs on it. That's why their Greatest Hits album is 
the what is it the number one selling album of all time yeah i mean right. it's been for a long time for for some reason i think that that something displaced it recently but, but was it was it, it the no, no, Go-Go's greatest hits i think it could be the gogo's greatest hits because <laughs> you know all of their albums had you know just great stuff their version of hotel california is unbelievable um so look, I have a I have a love hate relationship. I can't argue with them. They were a huge band, you know, tons of great songs. You know, for for me, it's you know they they I, I guess they even label themselves as kind of like a country rock band. And there are there are songs by the Eagles that I love. You know, Life in the Fast Lane, Hotel California, uh, One of These Nights. You know, love all of those. But there is probably just as many of their songs that I fucking hate. <laughs> Now, do you hate them because they were overplayed or just? Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, look, I, I and some of them just, I don't know, they're just, in my mind, they're just lame. You know, like New Kid in Town or like Lion Eyes or even Peaceful, Easy Feeling. Just, I just don't dig them. I want to lie with you in the desert at hey, night. Hey, Scott, come on. There are people Lion listening. Don't proposition me. I, that's one of the greatest lines in music, that's a great opening line. Yeah. So they're they're they're, they're a great band. There's just some of their songs. Look, uh, I love you too. There's some of their songs that I hate. There, I love the Beatles. There's some of their songs that yeah. I hate. Okay. What do you got for me? Let's bring it. So, um, well, one one of the other bands that I think you know, being from Boston, you can't deny the fact that Aerosmith were a monster monster band in you know in the in the seventies. You know, starting starting in 73. And I, I'll tell you, one of the things that I really appreciate about the 70s is that that was the era where, you know, you really had to be a workhorse. I mean, you know, most bands put out an album and did a tour every year. You know, in some of those early albums, you know, like Get Your Wings and even their first album, you know, they, they put out those records. They recorded them in, you know, three weeks. Where, you know, now bands, it takes them three, four years, you know, for them to put out something that's not nearly as good as they were. They were. So, you know, you know that, that you know, I've undertaken the, the hobby of painting. They say the way that you actually become a, a good painter is that, you know, you can, you can study, you can watch videos, you can read books, you can look at art. But the way that you become a good painter is easel time. It's standing in front of that easel and painting and making a total mess over and over until you actually get better and better and better. And I think that the bands in the seventies, particularly a band like Aerosmith that were on the road and writing constantly that their craft got better and better until it really took its toll and just started beating the hell out of them. And the drugs got into it and probably way overtired and whatnot. But I mean, you think about the, the list that we just talked about in terms of, uh, you know, the Rolling Stones, but Aerosmith's debut album, get your wings, you know, rocks, toys in the attic. I mean, monster album after monster album. So there's a trend that you'll see or you'll hear for the listeners uh, on these lists that I have. So Aerosmith, everybody refers to their debut album as featuring Dream On because that's the only other words on the cover, right? Uh, 73, Get Your Wings, 74, Toys in the Attic, 75. Rocks, 76. Draw the Line, 77. Going back to the Stones, 
71, 72, 73, 74, 75. These groups were just pumping out great album after great album. And you don't know it at the time until you take a step back and you look at the music. Like, who, where, who, what studios were these in? Because there was, you had Zeppelin, you had the Stones, you had Aerosmith, you had the Eagles, you had all these, all pumping them out. Year, they're all coming out at the same time. Each year, yep. there was seven phenomenal albums. You can't find that shit today. You couldn't find that in the 90s or the yeah. 80s, I don't think. The 70s was insane. These groups, just like you said, easel time, it's get in the studio. It's just keep going until you perfect it. Yeah. So, yeah, Aerosmith, it, there's no, no argument there. Let's see. What do I want to roll with right now? Um, okay. Well, I'm just going to gloss over this one. This isn't my pick, but uh, one of the one of the, the viewers, Stacy, said The Who. Now, The Who had four albums in the 60s, from 65 to 69. They What you said at the beginning of the show, they hit their real stride in the 70s, but they only put out four albums in the 70s. You had Who's Next in 71, Quadrophenia in 73. Then you had the Who by Numbers in 75. 75. And Who Are You, who are you in 78. So, uh, I mean, great albums, but with I don't know if I would put them up there because these other bands were like six, seven, eight albums in the 70s. Now, if we want to talk great albums, The Who is in there. But I don't know if they're one of the great bands of the 70s because they had just as many uh, albums in the 60s. So, you know, listen, not for nothing, Scott, but it's no fun for our listeners when you and I agree on everything. But I happen to agree with you on this. <laughs> you know, it, this, 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 you know, The Who is, is one of my favorite favorite bands of of all time and i you know adore them you know tommy and who's next and, and quadrophenia but you know the reality of it is at least from my perspective is they're a band that hit their creative peak but then the excess crept in you know i don't know if they were overtired over toured or whatnot but the who by numbers not a great record who are you not a great record no couple there's a couple, a couple of great songs yeah and and that's the thing when you bought an album when you were a kid if it had good three good songs on it you were lucky. So hey, let, let me John my- Cash just joined us. Woo, Johnny! That's yeah, Johnny Cash. So let me get to my pick. I'm gonna cross. So, so the '70s had four genres of music at the same time. You had rock. The '70s introduced us to soft rock, which is now today called yacht rock disco and country rock which eventually became known as southern rock and the kings of southern rock hands down and a true a pure 70s band is Rush. Oh, you son of a bitch <laughs> no then it's the Allman brothers the Allman it's, brothers it's, you know the Allman brothers you know take take your pick in the the Allman brothers Better band, in my opinion, although apples and oranges, and it's hard to compare art. But I, you know, to, you know, once again, I agree with you. You know, a band that kind of came out of the, 
out of the 60s, Dwayne Allman, journeyman musician to Lockdown and Muscle Shoals. He was a, you know, he was a studio musician, played with like Aretha Franklin. But, you know, then then did the whole Derek and the Dominoes thing, you know, not to mention those those early Allman brothers. You know, he was the one that he was the one Dwayne Allman came up with the riff for Layla. That was yeah. his. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people don't know those things. Monster guitar player, you know, unfortunately died really young, motorcycle accident. No, he was not hit by a peach truck. He didn't run into a peach truck. That was the... No, no, it was a construction vehicle. It it had like a crane on it, and he was trying to navigate it. He he avoided it, but he ended up hitting part of the crane, which... 24 years old. 24 years old. And a year later, the bass player, 24 years Barry old, Oakley. dies in a motorcycle accident on the same yep. day. Yep. Strange. So, so I'm uh, going you know, great, you know great, great, great band, um, you know, the in a band that, you know, carried on for, for a lot of years. But, I mean, obviously, you know, they were at their creative peak in those early years when they were, you know, they, they were journeymen. You know, they worked on that stuff every day. If you actually even see the documentary on Leonard Skinner. Yeah. They found a, a shack that had no air conditioning, and uh, you know they worked at that place. I think they called it the Hell House or something like that. In the middle of nowhere, they, they worked on their craft for months and months and months. Ronnie Van Zant was a he. He was uh, hard nosed. I, yeah. I have to interrupt. John John Cash, our one our lifelong friend, uh, said Charlie Daniels. He went to the Charlie Daniels concert with us. And I phrase it that way for a reason. He went to the Charlie Daniels concert with concert with us at the concert on the Commons when the Boston Commons used to have concerts in the summertime. We all, all us, you know, city boys wearing cowboy hats and acting, you know, redneckish was pretty funny in itself. But John went with us. I don't think he remembers it. I don't think he saw a minute of it because all I, I the the highlight of that concert was when nine of us were carrying him out above us like he was in a coffin and he, <laughs> yeah he totally obliviated that i'm sorry jc i just got to put that out there it's you you like leo haskell and a couple other people are in my memory hall of fame so yeah so so hey let, let's sidetracked <laughs> let, let's let's go back to your comment so so you actually said okay you know in the in the 70s you had the emergence of kind of straight ahead rock country rock Disco, disco and soft rock. Well, so so we we didn't touch upon two genres that I think that really emerged in the seventies. One punk. one of them was punk rock, and the and the other one was prog rock. Not now, a big fan. What do you mean, not a big fan? Come on, I'm not a big fan of prog rock. Come on, you don't you don't jam out to King Crimson records and Gentle Giant and you throw yes. King. You throw King Crimson at me like I throw the Go-Go's at you. Okay, I get it. I get it. I see a trend each show. <laughs> um, look, look, you know, there, there is some of that, some of that stuff that I, that I kind of like. You know, there, there, there's a few of the Yes albums. I thought Yes, Fragile was, you know, a great record. The, the Yes album was a, a great record. I thought Emerson, Lincoln, Palmer had a couple of good songs. But, you know, these 23-minute, opus things that centered around Tolkien Lord of the Rings was a, a bit, a bit too much. 
Rick Wakeman was a great showman, though. Yeah, well, they were they were all great he showmen. Come out with the, the long robes. He made he was like Ric Flair before Ric Flair. <laughs> <laughs> so they, any any one of those, you know, um, you know, early, early Genesis, um, you know, King Crimson, yes, and even Rush. You could go any to any of those shows in the seventies. You know, go to the Garden wherever they were playing. Not one woman. Yeah. <laughs> not one person of color. It was a bunch of nerdy white guys. Well, you just named three bands and two of them, King Crimson and Genesis, are in my second tier 70s groups list. They're the they're the they're the second tier, they're the lower tier groups. But again, another topic. Let's move let's see what you got. What's what do you got well, for me? Um uh let's see another another band i'll tell you so you know one one of my favorites in the 70s and and just just trying to go off the beaten path a, a little bit not that they're not a, a popular band but not your you know stones or, or any of that stuff i loved the doobie brothers the doobie brothers were a huge 70 you know 70s band i mean those guys pumped out hit after hit especially in the early 70s you know china grove um you know taking it to the streets you know, they just had one song after another that were just unbelievable. And they were part of the soundtrack of me being a little kid, mostly because my parents were big fans. Yeah, I know. And this is a this is an audio podcast. So, <laughs> uh, no, the Doobie Brothers, you can't really argue with the Doobie Brothers. No, they're a seven. They're they're a pure seventies band. Yeah, re- relatively harmless band. No, you know, no, no yeah. big controversies. Oh no, good music. Good music. Um, do, do you remember do you remember in the 70s what TV show did they appear on? The Doobie Brothers appeared in the 70s. Ah. They were on an episode of What's Happening. <laughs> Maybe we should do a podcast on old TV shows and movies. <laughs> All right, um, you know, so then there's Pink Floyd. Again, they had three albums from 67 to 69. They come out in 70 with Adam Hotmother, 71 Metal, 72 Obscured by the Clouds. You know, they're kind of hanging in there. So that's six albums that really, and then... They hit their stride with, of course, in 73, Dark Side Side of the the Moon. Then they fire off in 75, Wish You Were Here, Animals in 77, The Wall in 79. And there's a reason they skip years. All these other bands are pumping them out one a year. They're technical. They're a very technical band. And that's why their music came out so... Uh, uh, pristine. It was. It, it was like there's not a speck of dust on it. Yeah. Right. I. I you so, know. I'll tell you. Seventies. Though they only had, but they had seven albums. Four of them were classics. But I'll give them a nod. Uh, they they should be given a, a nod. I mean, Pink Floyd was a you know seminal band of the the seventies, and I'll, I'll tell you a source of real frustration for me. Uh, and I and I don't know if you share this or not, but being in the Boston area, being of our age group, 
we we kind of got screwed concert wise. And let, and let me let me explain what I mean. <clears throat> so, you know, obviously, you know, none of us. Maybe there's somebody else that that's actually listening that uh, had an opportunity to see the Beatles, you know, but they stopped touring in 66, right? The Stones, like when we came of age and we became, you know, like concert going age, the last time that the Stones played Boston was 75, I believe. In 78, they did a, they did a big tour, didn't play Boston. In 81, they didn't play Boston. They didn't come to Foxborough until 1989. So no stones for us in our prime concert going years when we were when we were teenagers. Pink Floyd, you know, the same thing. They played the Garden, I think, in 77 and then didn't come back until they played Foxborough in the mid 80s without Roger Waters. So in the you know, back when they they kind of put together a, a band. So no, no Rolling Stones, no Pink Floyd. Led Zeppelin was supposed to play the the Garden in 75. So they announced that tickets were going on sale at the beginning of January. 3,000 people show up at the Garden. They're waiting outside. The tickets are going on sale the next morning at 10 o'clock. There's 3,000, 2,000 to 3,000 people lined up at 5 p.m. It's the middle of winter, and these boneheads are wearing jean jackets and T-shirts. Temperature drops down into the single digits. They let them into the garden, into the outer part of the garden to keep warm until the tickets go on sale. People are smoking dope, drinking Boone's Farm. They break open concession stands. They get down into the stadium part of the garden. They open fire hoses and start spraying everywhere. They light a bunch of the seats on fire. They cause $30,000 in damage. The next day, Kevin White comes in pours the, the, the carnage, the damage, and says Led Zeppelin will never play in Boston again. He wouldn't issue uh, um, a license for them to play in 75. As a result, they skipped Boston in 77. They skipped Boston in 80, which never happened anyway because Bonham died. So we got screwed out of seeing Zeppelin as, as well. And that's, yeah, yeah, I- but we saw we saw a lot, lot saw a lot of other bands. Yeah, so. we got to see a lot of a lot of other bands. But a lot of those iconic bands that we grew up with, we never got to see them or even the the original lineup. Like even even the Who, you know, I was fortunate to go with a bunch of people to see them in '79. But by then, Keith Moon was already gone. I saw that. I, I was at that show. Let me ask you this: One of our viewers just uh, chatted in. I, I've never seen Martha Hoople. Have you seen Martha Hoople? Martha Hoople? Yeah, Martha. Ma- Martha. Is it, is it, so when Martha when Martha left the Vandellas, she joined Martha the Hoople. Martha Hoople. <laughs> so Ma- wait a minute. Martha left the Vandellas, went to the Hoople, and then joined the motels. <laughs> <laughs> Just I don't know. So and then so uh, 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 one of the other viewers pipes in, chatted in. Uh, David Bowie, not a band. He's an individual. We're leaving them out of this episode. This is just bands. And although, although, although one, could, one, one could say that you know the '70s were ruled by, I already talked about individual Stevie Wonder, David Bowie, right. individual Elton John. I, but I don't count them as bands. I, I gave you Stevie Wonder because he's the greatest. I think he's. I would have argued with you, but I can't because I 
have said he's the most talented. So, and he actually won like 27 Grammys in the seventies. No one's ever done that. But, um, so, okay. I'm going to, is it your turn or my turn? You can go. Okay. The hottest working band of the seventies. The (laughs) Go-Go's. They put out 10 albums. One album a year in the seventies. They've actually put they actually put one album out a year for I think it was twenty one years. No kidding. Yep. And I'm not gonna say they're a crossover. Chicago. Chicago's first album, they were the Chicago Transit Authority in sixty nine. Yeah, they had to change the name to just Chicago. From that point on, 1970, Chicago won. 72, Chicago two, all the way up to 79. They did 10 albums in the 70s. They were terrible at naming albums. <laughs> Evidently. <laughs> they had PTSD from having to change the name from the Chicago Transit Authority. But Chicago has to be in that on that list. They pumped well, out. I, 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 I agree with you, and I and I think they're overlooked. And I think one of the reasons that they're overlooked is because they what they did in the eighties when they turned well, into that kind of soft yeah. rock band. Yeah, it, I think it kind of destroyed them. And and I think that when you know one of the other things that kind of affected uh, Chicago is you know Terry Kath, who was an amazing guitar player, made the great mistake of getting drunk and playing with a pistol and playing Russian roulette. And he lost. And he actually did it in front of a bunch of people, you know, just, just, just crazy. But those, those early, those early records were unbelievable. I mean, just the musicianship alone, just crazy. Oh, they, and they were so unique in their style too. Who would have thought that a horn section could lead a band in that, in that era of all the bands we've just named. A band with a horn section takes over and does 10 albums. You know, yeah. didn't miss a beat. So I got to go with Chicago. What do you got for me? I, you know, not, not that they, you know, they, they had a, a real evolution, but you can't take away that the fact of the fact that one of the iconic bands of the 70s was Fleetwood Mac. I disagree. What do you mean you do? How could you disagree that Fleetwood Mac is not an iconic band? Rumors? Is there a more perfect album than Rumors? The story behind it, track after track. You don't. Hey, you may not like it. I didn't say I don't like them. You don't have to say it. I can see it on your fucking face. They did eight albums before 1975, self-titled. Album Fleetwood. Yeah, Mac. but they were a different. They were a different band in the seventies. Whole different they, lineup. They, they 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 emerged in seventy five as as you know the group that we know. They're not a great group if you can't remember anything before the self titled album Fleetwood Mac in seventy five. Totally, come on. R- Rumors is one of the biggest selling albums of all time on the radio, almost constantly. If you want to talk about great albums, we could talk about great albums on another show. But as one of the, just because they have Rihanna 
and you know whatever. Don't stop thinking about whatever. They're not one oh, of the great. You, you you don't dislike them. <laughs> no, to the I way don't. I'm mocking them because they're not one of the greatest bands of the seventies. They're not. They have they had two good albums in the seventies. Three. They had three good albums in the seventies. That was it. That was it. So three good albums in the seventies. The Who had two good albums in the seventies. And I said the Who really. I I the only reason I bought the Who is because our friend Stacy chatted in the Who, and I said they're not. They're not. Yeah. They they're not one of the. They have great albums in the seventies. They put on. No, great- I'm sorry, but I disagree. Fleetwood Mac is an iconic band, and they emerged and had their greatest success. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. They had you hold greatest- on a second. <laughs> You're out of order. I'm out of order. Everybody Mac's out, of out of order. <laughs> they had their greatest success in the seventies. Look, look, you can't, you can't. You can't limit it to look. You have to have a certain run of albums to qualify as some of the greatest in the in the seventies. Look, what one of the biggest artists in the seventies, one of the most iconic artists of the seventies, and I'm not saying that he's great or not great, was Meatloaf. That album was enormous. It was huge. It's indicative of the seventies. Memory in the seventies is not one of the great perform like performers of the seventies. Say that again. He's a memory in the seventies. That's he what marked the time in the in the seventies. That that album was huge, one of the biggest selling albums of all time. And why? Why was it? Because of one song. No, not one song. Two. Bad Out of Hell was a big song. Two out of three ain't a, you know was a big song. Paradise by the Dashboard Light was a big song. song. That's the song. No, that that album was was regarded as flawless from start to finish. We're talking about great albums. I'm talking about great bands. Of the seventies, yeah, um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll give it to you there. In that 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 that, that album was really um, um, a byproduct of one writer, yes. one singer, and a bunch yes. of hired guns. Yes. As a matter of fact, the girl that sang the backup quit before they even did the video. The girl in the video isn't the one that does the vocals. Carla Bonoff. Yeah. So. I'm here's, here's a little known thing that, that you might not know is on that Meatloaf album, playing the piano and drums, Max Weinberg and Roy Bitten from the E Street Band, which was my next pick because Springsteen was enormous in the 70s. So that's a good question now. That's a good, it's not a question. That that's that's an interesting pick. So Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, is that considered a group or is that Bruce Springsteen with his backup group? Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band, is that a group or is that Bob Seger with the backup group? The Steve Miller Band was a complete band, but it's Steve Miller with the Steve Miller Band. Yeah. So, oh, that's, so, a funny, that's kind of a gray area. Well, I, I there there have been albums put out by Bruce Springsteen that are just Bruce Springsteen. Not in the seventies, though. Uh, no, his first three albums were. I, I'd have to go back and look at him, but he was actually signed as an individual artist 
on those th- first three records. And, and, you know, he really hit a stride, obviously, with Born to Run, which I think is a flawless, iconic 70s album, followed up by Darkness on the Edge of Town. Yeah. These and, and you know, I know, I know that he's one of those guys that you know you love him or you hate him, but you can't deny the fact that he's got crazy talent and he's put out a ton of great songs. Nebraska is one of my favorite albums, and it was him great, by himself in his basement. Those were all demos. Nebraska yeah. was all demos. The E Street Band didn't know he was doing it, and then he just decided to, hey guys, I'm going to release this on my own. <laughs> So, so hey, can, it, can I go off on a slight tangent? So, uh, well, Kevin, sure. Kevin Corkum just said wings were nothing but Paul. So, so here's here's something that I that I have to tell you. One, one of the biggest mistakes of the '70s, the Beatles absolutely should have not broken up and stayed together. I don't think any one of them put out a great, great album. I think there were great songs. I think they were close to great albums. George Harrison's uh, album was probably the best of them all. It, it was the best of them all, but you know where he, he had all those songs saved up from when he was with yeah, the Beatles. Yeah, but you know where he screwed up? He made it a triple album. He, if he had made that a single record, that would have been huge. Can you name it, another? I mean, it was, and it was huge on, on, on its own. But you have that whole third disc that's that's nothing but you know jams. Um. But but you know what I just because I knew that we were doing this I actually looked at like the you know the first couple of albums that were actually put out the, by the Beatles as uh, solo artists and they're not great records, not none of them are great records. Even Band on the Run, which is probably the most popular outside of all things Must Pass, and I still don't think it's a great record. So one one of the things that I did and let me see if I can find it is I actually put together my fantasy Beatle album. So if the Beatles had stayed together and they were writing the way that they did and like toward the latter part of the Beatles' career, they were writing a lot. You know, they were doing things on an individual basis. So just check this out for a second. If the Beatles actually had put out an album in 72, 73, I didn't go beyond that. I didn't go into the Wings years. You know, I didn't get too far into it. So here's my fantasy Beatle album. And I actually tried to sequence this where it made sense, which was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. So Beatles fantasy album and kicks off with instant karma goes into baby. I'm uh, maybe I'm amazed into my sweet Lord into God into all things must pass. Then what is life? Imagine it don't come easy. Wah, wah, my love. Isn't it a pity? Jealous guy, cold Turkey, working class hero photograph another day. Happy Christmas, war is over. Uncle Albert, Ad, uh, Admiral Halsey, and give peace a chance. Sounds like a mixtape to me. If, if they had put that out as a double record under the Beatles, it would probably would have re- been regarded as their one of their best. Let me ask you a question. Trivia, not trivia, but can you name another triple album set? Um, yes, songs. So the yes, the yes live album. Um, you know, I, I, you know, if you're getting in, if you're getting into compilations and live albums, I think it's it, not a compilation it, or a live album, just a three album set. Yeah, I, I think maybe Emerson, Lake, and Palmer works might be a triple. I the one that comes to mind to me is the Clash Sandinista. Yeah. So triple record. Great, yeah. great record. Yes, I like it. I like. I it. like it too. So. 
John Larson just chatted in, one of our viewers for the podcast listeners, Alice Cooper. The, the, the amazing thing about Alice Cooper is they put out six albums in three and a half years as a band. Okay? So it was Easy Action in 70, Love It to Death 71, Killer in 71, School's Out in 72, Billion Dollar Babies in 73, Muscle of Love in 73. Then Alice Cooper went on his own after that. So I wouldn't say is the Alice Cooper band is one of the greatest bands, although School's Out, Billion Dollar Babies, Muscle of Love was an okay album. I was an Alice Cooper fan. Yeah, me um, too. But then, you know, he went on his own, Welcome to My Nightmare. And after Welcome to My Nightmare, he kind of started on a decline. Yeah, yeah. I think that but whole in, thing in the, in the early seventies, Alice Cooper was Alice enormous. Cooper was yeah. The, you pumped out six albums in three and a half years. Do, do you know who broke out two albums in a year? Do, do you know who broke Alice Cooper that that band? Frank Zappa. That's right, he did. Yeah, and I'm not a big fan of Frank Zappa and the Mothers, but we will not get into that. So. Let me see. What else do we got? Uh, what do I want to look at? Mm, let me get over here. So, so let, let. What about Queen? I was just gonna say Queen. Okay, Queen is interesting. Um, Queen had seven albums in the seventies. Queen, their debut album, seventy three. Queen two in seventy four. Sheer Attack in seventy four, which had Killer Queen on it. Right. So you had. Now, these next two, in 75, they came out with A Night at the Opera. Night at the Opera. In 76, they came out with A Day at the Races. Where did they get the names for those albums? Marx Brothers. There you go, buddy. The Marx Brothers movies. Yeah. Yeah. So those were really when they took off. Um, Then after that, News of the World. And then... Jazz in '78, and then they kind of disappeared to the '80s. But so, so let's let's talk about that for a second. The 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 band Queen is a bigger band now than they were in the '80s. Right. The 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 late '70s and and early '80s, people don't people don't remember, but that Queen was not that popular. Like I got to see Queen in '82. They played one night at the garden. And I remember friends saying, you know, why, why are you going to see them? You know, has been, been there, done that, you know, all of that. Um, they were not a popular band. They had some real misses that didn't resonate with, with U.S. audience. They were huge everywhere else in the world. But they were not huge in, in the United States. And by the way, while we're talking about that, did you like the movie? I won't see it. Why? We lived it. I don't need. I don't. I don't go back on those, you know, the rockumentary movies, whatever you want to call them. Um, so I'll I'll give you I even more of a reason either, and I won't see that either. Yeah, I'll give you even more of a reason not to see the Queen movie. It's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a good movie. It's really entertaining and whatnot. But they've taken artistic license there. Nothing Hollywood. Nothing Hollywood does. In the last eight years, minimum last eight years, 
is worth seeing. It's all crap. Yeah. It's so so crap. just I'll, I'll I'll spoil it for you a little bit, and, and so you don't have to see it. But it, you know, in the movie, a lot of it really kind of revolves around uh, the the performance at Live Aid. Yeah. And they have this whole dramatic thing where he leaves the band and he's ostracized, and they're not speaking to each other. And then he finds out that he has HIV and then they get together and they have a terrible time rehearsing. And then they have this amazing performance in reality. Live aid happened in 85. He didn't find out that he had HIV until 87. And this whole thing about them, you know, being kind of separated and not uh, being rehearsed or whatnot. They had been on the works tour for about 18 months and they had been off for about five or six weeks before they played Live Aid. So they took great artistic liberty with that movie. You know, a lot of people look at it as historical fact, and there's a lot of fiction in that movie. Oh, I, I bet. So Dave Phillips has chatted in Deep Purple. Now, Deep Purple is interesting. Um, they were one of those groups that kind of crossed over from the 60s to the 70s. Deep Purple. Uh, in 70, they had uh, the album In in Rock. Then they had, uh, what, Machine Head in 71, which was a great album. Deep Purple came out with Made in Japan, yada, yada. Is Deep Purple a great 70s band, or were they an, a band that had a couple of great albums and carried them through the 70s? Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's a lot of bands like that. I think that the that Deep Purple was a big heavy metal band, had its following in the. And early I like 70s. them, by the way. Don't get. I, 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 do like, I like Deep Purple. I love Deep Purple. I say I, maybe, I do, I do, yeah. but 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 for me, there's there's only one Deep Purple album. Made in Japan. Made Machine Head is a good is a really good yeah, album. It, yeah, it's great. I, and, and there's a couple of them. Like really I like I like. I like Burn, you know, as well. I mean, yeah. I think Deep Purple is a great band and an interesting yeah. band. Where they had a they had a revolving door of lead singers and personnel. I mean, you know, Deep Purple was essentially Roger Glover and uh, Richie Black. What's that? Ian Gillen was it. He was it. Ian Gillen, you know, Joel and Turner was was fine. Uh, you know, they they were amazing in the in the early seventies. So but you know, there's a lot of bands like that that had early success and then and then. Uh, kind of lived on that. You know, one one of the other bands that I was thinking about as we were talking about this, think about the, the Moody Blues. 60s huge, band. Huge, huge band in the 70s. Yeah. You know, they had two big albums in the 60s, and they had a couple of good songs in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. And, that's know, and, I, and we may feel that way because neither of us are big, you know, prog rock fans, and they no. kind of went in that but, direction. You mentioned Made in Japan. I, I say I consider that the greatest live album ever. I've said it in the past. But a, but a very, very, if I was going to do a one and one A, the Allman Brothers of Fillmore East is amazing record. The one A of greatest live albums ever. How about The Last Waltz? Last Waltz. And, 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 and that's right up there at number two or three, or, you know, in the top five, definitely. And I got to say, because I've said it before, Made in Japan was not tampered with. It was yeah. not 
produced in a studio once it was done. And we're not going to, I'm not going to go into all that again. Well, I, but, I, think, I think we have an, I think we have an opportunity to do an episode on live albums, but I'll tell you one, one of the big seventies bands that had an amazing live album was thin Lizzy. Fantastic. I've never heard it, but I mean, I was, a, I wasn't a, a huge thin Lizzy fan. I liked them, but they, I, I wouldn't go they out. Didn't, they didn't get a lot of airplay over here. Yeah. Yeah. So, Someone, a couple of people had said the Grateful Dead. No, 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 no Grateful Dead on that show. Wait a minute, what's wrong with the Grateful Dead? No, 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 no. Don't the Grateful Dead is not mentioned. No, they don't win anything on this show. Why the Grateful Dead were horrible, they were horrible. They played, they played just very basic jam you know 17 minute long jams they were a concert group they were not you know uh, no grateful dead i'm the host and i say no <laughs> I, i'm i'm sorry but the grateful dead are an amazing band uh, uh, uh. so the go goes um, right so, so here's here's your homework assignment you have you have to between this week and next week you have to go and listen to american beauty i'm not no, I'm not. No, I didn't do your last homework all assignment. Right, all right, all right. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you a choice. You can either listen to the Go Go's last album or American I'm, Beauty. I'm, I'm the host. I should be giving you <laughs> lesson to homework and things. Hey, you know, hey, my, listen, you, you you can't handle the truth. Why? <laughs> Don't pick on the host. Don't give me homework assignment. I didn't do the last one. I wasn't a good student in high school. I'm definitely not going to be a good student now. <laughs> so I, I have to tell you, I love and hate the Grateful Dead. You know, I love some of their songs. I hate some of their songs. I, I certainly don't think that they need, you know, a whole side of an album to do one song. And, uh. and you know, having having had the opportunity to see them a couple of times, there was certainly no need for all of the acid Lack of um, underarm deodorant and patchouli. Well, they were they weren't the brightest crowd either. Uh, one of our one of our, our our friends growing up. No, again, no names on this show when it comes. To, they took a uh, a sheet of, of film and they exposed it to the to the to the light, so it turns all gray and black. Right, they got it out of the graphic arts class, and what they did is they cut it up into little squares and went into the Boston Garden. And sold them as hits of acid. <laughs> oh my God! You shouldn't talk about Mister Noyles right in front of everybody. <laughs> he was the teacher, and I'm going home. Oh, Am I going to have to go back and beep that out? We don't need any love. <laughs> um, yeah, the Grateful Dead fans weren't the brightest bulbs in the house, but but the strange thing about it is most of the Grateful Dead were highly intellectual. Yeah, and that's okay. <laughs> So so were so were the police. Okay, the police are they a great seventies band that that traveled into the eighties? Uh yes. As a matter of fact, I I actually think that their best albums were in the seventies. The first two records are the best two records. So you had the police, and then what was the second one? Uh, Zinya, uh, no, the first one was Atlantis Moore was the first one, and Regatta de Blanc was the second one. I think seventy eight and seventy nine respectively. Which is uh, 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 the second album again? Uh, 
I'm I'm a second album guy. I like Van Halen's second album better than the first. I like the Cars Candy O better than the first, and I liked uh, the the Police's second album. Yeah, and and I feel I feel the same way because a lot of those first albums got so overplayed. You know, the the other thing that's interesting about the early days of the Police is I can't tell you how many people that I know in Winthrop that claim that they were at the Rat Skeller, the Rat when the police played there in 78 or 79. Now that, you know, the rat scaler, you know, probably held, you know, two or 300 people. I don't know exactly what the, the capacity was. And there, there was almost any, everybody in that age demographic. I was there. I was there. I was there. And I don't think any of them were there. Uh, we keep getting the, someone's thrown in the Ramones. The Ramones aren't better. They're not a great seventies band. They're, sure they were. They, they helped kick off the punk movement. The Ramones' debut album is a seminal, iconic start of a movement band. Would you would you say that the? I said, said this three episodes ago. The damned, and you're like, dad, dad, dad. The damned were the originals. They were the first punks. They were the seminal album. They were the first to come over to America. They were the first. To, to record an album, a punk album. Don't give me the Ramones. You can't, you can't, you can't say that the Damned were the first punk band. They were. What, what about the Stooges? What about the MC5? Stooges weren't recording before the Damned when it came to punk. Yeah, they were. Origins of punk. You don't know what you're talking about, is you? Ah, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> it took us. So listen, wait a minute. What about the Sex Pistols? What about the Sex Pistols? Do they do they qualify considering they really only put out one record? Again, that would fall in the category of great albums of the seventies. What about great bands? Wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't consider them a great band considering what they helped kick off? They helped kick off an entire movement. More Again, influential than Bad Company, more influential than Boston. Again, you're talking about a, a very small genre at the time, a niche, and it's still a small genre. It's still a niche genre of music. Punk, and I like punk, was not disco, all right? Now, you want to talk about a band, then you want to go down that road? Let's go down the road of disco. How come Chic, the greatest disco band of all times, with Nile Rodgers, one of the greatest producers, guitar players in the business, right? How come they never get wrecked? Because it's disco. Oh, wait a minute. They're, they're, all, rock and roll. they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Huh? They're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They keep getting nominated, but they're not getting in. I think they're in. I don't think Sheik is in. I think that they, they keep wait getting Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We have a bet. One dollar American. Yeah. They're always on the list, but they haven't got in. So I if you want to talk about that, then, then uh, you know, we can say Sheik. And you can say the Sex Pistols. I like the Sex Pistols. I'm not putting them in one of the best bands because of a, a, a movement. You know, the disco took over everything. Disco took over rock. You get the Rolling Stones doing disco songs. You had Rod Stewart doing disco songs. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, Brick in the Wall, part two, has a disco beat to it. Think about it. So don't, you know, uh, I'm not going, I like the Sex Pistols, but I'm not. I'm, I'm not saying that that genre took over anything. They were a movement. They were. They were moving because they got good publicity. 
No, see, I, I think that they deserve credit in the 70s for changing the culture or helping change the culture. Now, the, the damned you know, may have, have put out records before then, but they didn't necessarily have the mass appeal and they didn't have the, you know, the movement that, that changed that things. That was a band thing. That was just them. The, 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 you know, if you don't have the right management, you don't have the right publicity, you're not going to get – the damn never stopped, though. I mean, they, they, they still play today. But, you know, uh, that, that, now that this is a discussion that keeps reoccurring, I guess. <laughs> reoccurring discussion. So, so uh, Bob, Bob McGrath just said The Pretenders, which I know you and I both love that first album. Yeah, absolutely. I think I got it in my in my milk crates there. I'm pretty sure. There it is. As a matter of fact, as far as you get it, there it is. So what, what year was that? I, what, what? Was that in the 70s? Uh, it was 80. Yeah, 80, that's what 81. I thought. Yeah. yeah. That, that Again, well, Chris and I played with the version of The Damned. There you go. There you go. By, by the way, I, I know that you're you're a purist, and I still have my original copy of of the Pretenders, but I actually ordered uh, the original master recording version of the Pretenders' first record. Uh, you want to the original master? Shut, shut, shut it! No, no, I'm I'm just suggesting that I know how much you love it. I think you should get it. I'm only kidding. I probably will. I probably will. I the, 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 if, you, if you think you. If you think you want to, you better act fast because those things sell out fast. Well, actually, I, I kind of like this version. So for, for the viewing audience, I bought this in the Philippines. It's the Pretender's first album, right? I bought this in the Philippines. It looks all it looks all normal, you know, American printing. They don't have the Japanese label. But when you take it, when you take it out, this is all pretty cool stuff right here. You get the Welcome 80s Pretenders uh, uh, Club, you know, thing. And it's all in Japanese, right? And then you get the sleeve with all the lyrics in Japanese, which I kind of dig that, man. That's cool. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's I probably dig a couple of bucks. I love albums with, with, with inserts. I love getting an album that still has the inserts. That's you why know? I loved Kiss. What's that? I said, that's why I loved Kiss. <laughs> Kiss, well, yeah, they, they were good at marketing those oh, inserts. Come on, come on, you know, dude, postcards, posters, tattoos, stickers. Do you, do you say Kiss is one of the great 70s bands? Yeah, they, they were a huge band in the 70s. Come on, Destroyer, Love Gun, Rock and Roll Over, Kiss Alive, Kiss Alive 2. I, I never got Kiss Alive 2 because I, I, I couldn't get past one. One was so good that I, I wouldn't get to. Yeah. You know? So there, there, There's, there's a, a huge difference between one and two. I mean, you know, it, uh, Kiss Alive was, they were a hungry band, relatively, you know, not unknown, but... You know they weren't they weren't the big phenomenon in Kiss Alive too, but I, I remember you know listening to Destroyer and just going, "What the hell is this? This is unbelievable." I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna go into a second tier band. I'm gonna name a couple of, and our friend Dave Phillips is gonna not like this at all. Um, 
So if he says it's 79, then it was it must have come out late 79, the Pretenders album. Still not a great 70s band because they had one album in the 70s. Um, Jay Giles Band is a second-tier 70s rock band. If you live outside of New England. <laughs> so so let, let's let's talk about that for a second. So we talk about, you know, the, the, the different variations of rock in the 70s. One thing that the 70s gets credit for is corporate rock, arena rock. Yeah. That these second tier bands, and you can you can look at this online. This isn't anything that I made up. Boston, oh. Kansas, Foreigner, Ario Speedwagon, you know, bad, even Bad Company, you know, there there was um a, a number of those bands, and and the Jay Giles band kind of fits into that category where highly produced records that were really made to fill arenas did i say arenas arenas <laughs> um and you know there, there's a lot of disdain for what happened in the 70s that that the corporate entities really took over rock and roll because they wanted to fill hockey arenas with predominantly teenage uh blue class to middle class white Teenage boys, eighteen to twenty-five, which was the demographic that they were playing testosterone-driven music. Yeah, it was, it was all. It was all. Yeah, you know the shame of it is, is a lot of those kind of like classic rock stations. They're still playing the same fucking songs over and over again. But you know Speed what? That, Alabama, Boston's first album. You know, Foreigner. You know, a lot of those 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 bands, and there were some of those really great bands that fit into that category or got pushed into that category. Like, you know, Aerosmith got pushed into that category. Arena Rock. Yeah, no doubt. Um, hot. Classic. Great, 70s. great band. Yeah. Classic seventies band. Yeah. So, I think all right. We hit about an hour, buddy. You know, hour and ten minutes. So let me. I picked 15 bands tonight, and I think I covered them all. Oh, you know who I didn't cover? Who is an, a, a great, great 70s band, and they're, they're a pure 70s band, Steely Dan. Oh, fantastic. I hit them up earlier, but I just kind of lost it. Steely they, Dan. They, they, were, they, were, they were another band that we got screwed concert-wise because they stopped touring in like I got to see them, But I, I got to see them at the Hard Rock uh <clears throat> In, uh, in in Hollywood, Florida, and they were great. Now, Deb, were- Deb and I got to see him like four or five years ago at the Wang Center. Yeah, unbelievable. They, I, the the just and you saw her before uh, uh, Walter Becker died, right? Yeah, yeah, we did. So they came out with "Can't Buy a Thrill" in '72, uh, "Countdown to Ecstasy" in '73, "Pretzel Logic" '74, "Katie Lied" '75. Royal Scam 76, which is my favorite Steely Dan song. That's a Asia. Great song. In Asia in 77. Yeah. Those albums right there, those six albums could be put up against any other six albums in the 70s. You know, you know what I love about that band? You know, you they, know what I love about that band? So, so the last time that they came around to Boston, I think they played Four Nights. And one night they played Asia, start to finish. One night they played Pretzel Logic from start to finish. One night they played the Royal Scam, start to finish. And then one night they did a Greatest Hits. 
I mean, a band that can just delve into their catalog and play everything in an audience that is receptive enough that play me the whole friggin' record. I want to hear it all. They didn't, pretty tour, they didn't tour it. At, at, Forever. At, we, we never got to see them when they were, you know, in their prime. Well, because they, they, I guess to, to recreate their sound back then, it had, you know, remember, they didn't have everything compact into computers. In, sure. In, they had to bring all this shit on the road with them, and when they did go out on tour, it was uh, evidently a spectacle. It was, they had just truckloads of, of equipment. So, but I, I, I think they are a, a, a definitely in the upper level seventies bands, and they also dominate yacht rock. <laughs> Do you have a favorite song? Still, I said it. Royal Scam. Oh yeah, no song. Oh, the the song Royal Scam? The song Royal wow. Scam. That's my favorite. Uh, that's my favorite. Uh, if everybody listening or watching, go out. If you haven't heard that song in a long time, go back and listen to it. Staley Dan, Royal Scam. An unbelievable song. I Just the... the, the I do... That's the one I'm sticking with because now you're going to get me thinking about other songs. Royal <laughs> Scam. So who's that? John Lawson said Billy's... Squire, I think he's 80s. Kevin Corkum says you too. Really more 80s. I think he's just being <laughs> I think a smart he's, ass. Yeah, he's now he's just in it, you know. Do it again. All right. All right, buddy. So I came up with 15 uh uh groups tonight. I think I covered them all. Out of the 15, nine of them were pure 70s bands. That's what I that, that's what I like in these lists. If we're talking 70s, I would rather stick to the 70s. But those other groups, the 70s, again, was that decade, the greatest decade of music. There was so much going on in that 10-year span. So, do, do, do you, think that you, think the music, you think the music of the 70s is better than the music of the 60s? We're going to save that for another show. All right. I think that that's a show, or at least half a show. <laughs> but uh, so the true '70s bands that I named were the Allman Brothers, Leonard Skinner, Black Sabbath, Chicago, Steely Dan, The Eagles, Aerosmith, Queen, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Great wreck, great band. I knew I was forgetting someone. Earth, Wind, and Fire is definitely, definitely in uh, worthy. Of that mention of greatest seventies bands, yeah. So, well, all right, buddy, we did another show. Man, we, we ran did. over fourteen minutes. It's okay. It's okay. So, for everybody listening, this podcast is on Spotify. It's on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and several other podcast platforms. For the people watching, thank you for tuning in. We're here every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock. We can be seen on YouTube Live, the Milk Crates and Turntables channel, uh, Facebook Live, and Twitch, Milk Crates and Turntables. So that's it for this show. I uh, always appreciate your time, my friend. Hey, we, oh. we didn't mention Grand Funk. <laughs> <laughs> Hardworking band, but you know, a couple of good songs and Listen, they did a remake of Locomotion. 
I don't that that right there just doesn't do it for me. It's out. They, they're out as a result of that one. I, yeah, so, I'm, I'm a purist. You know that. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a purist. I don't uh, I don't tolerate uh, you know remakes of old fifty songs and the Grateful Dead. <laughs> <laughs> so that's See it, buddy. Stay on. Stay on for a minute while I yeah. while I sign off. Again, everybody, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. To quote my favorite artist, Morrissey, doing this show for you, the pleasure, the privilege is mine. And of course, my good friend, Jax. The Milk Crates and Turntables podcast is produced by Scott McLean at the KOFB studio in Boca Raton, Florida. It's co-produced by Jack Calabrese and Colin McLean. If you like this podcast, hit subscribe wherever you're listening right now. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating and leave a comment, even if it's just to say hi. Also, be sure to tell your friends about this podcast. I mean, who doesn't like to talk about music, right? <laughs>